to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. If you can turn with me to Luke 19, picking up in verse 28. The title of our message this morning is No Ordinary Day. In June of uh, 2000, I felt the Lord, you know, speak to me about leaving the corporate world, uh, going into full-time ministry, didn't know how all that was going to work. I was a single man. I was in Michigan. So I came out here to California, came out here, not sure exactly why, just kind of wanted to, you know, see big Calvary, you know, the, because I was a youth pastor at Calvary, uh, Calvary in Michigan. So I wanted to see big Calvary, the, where it all started, you know. So I, I showed up there, the church office, and when I went there, the, one of the assistant pastors asked me, you know, you know, can you pray for me? I said, sure. So, you know, I'm at the front counter. I bowed my head. I'm praying and and he's praying for me, and I, I lift up my eyes, and I notice this beautiful woman with black hair and blue eyes. And of course, that's my wife-to-be. And I tell you, something hit me, and I, I mean this. I'm not just, you know, exaggerating. I, I lifted up my eyes after my prayer, and she was the first thing that I saw. And uh, she said to me, she says, Did I, didn't I see you last night at Logos Cafe? And I said, yeah, I was there. And, and our eyes just met. And it was one of those, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. You know, sometimes you hear love at first sight. Well, it was, it was truly love at first sight. I had, had not dated for five years. She had not dated for 10 years. We felt the Lord tell us to wait for the right one. And, and here it is. You know, we're making eye contact. We're talking. We're hitting it off real well. And I, I remember going into the parking lot at the church, and I bowed my head, and I started repenting. I said, Lord, that eye contact was so strong. Forgive me. And then at that point, I said, but could that be my wife? And you know the story. You know, after a short period of time, you know, within, by September, we were married and uh, a wonderful thing. Pastor Chuck, you know, a blessing, you know, walked her down the aisle, um, did the ceremony. It was no ordinary day when I met my wife. Plus, I went into full-time ministry shortly after that. The Lord just opened doors. But it was no ordinary day. That, that day changed my life dramatically. We're going to be looking at the story of Jesus riding in on a donkey. And let me tell you, that was no ordinary day. Jesus presented himself as the Messiah as he rode in on a donkey. And we're going to look at the story. But let me tell you, just make sure you understand this. This was definitely no ordinary day when Jesus rode in. So let's go ahead and let's, let's take a look at this story. Verse 28. So if you're there, 19 of Luke, verse 28. And it says, when he, Jesus, had said this, he, Jesus, went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples. Let me get it up on the screen, too, if you want to look up there, whatever's better. Verse 30, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. Verse 32, so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owner of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. 
Please get the picture. He's standing on the Mount of Olives, it said. He's on, you know, the Mount of Olives are a range of hills east of Jerusalem. And he, as we just read, he asked the two disciples to retrieve a colt. Uh, and they went to retrieve the colt. And uh, as they were told to do, the owner of the colt says, you know, what are you doing? They said, the Lord has need of him. But I, I want to show you a map. And maybe you, hopefully you can see this. It kind of gives you a little visual. It's, I know it's not, so it's not easy to, to find a, a dimensional type of a map. But I try to do my best. Um, you can see the Mount of Olives. These are mountain ranges on the east side of uh, the Temple Mount. And so you see the, the black marks. You see Bethpage and you see Bethany. And so this is the area Jesus was in. The, the, the burgundy kind of looking line is kind of like the path that he took going down the mountain into the Kidron Valley. So picture this. They're on a mountain range. They're going down into the Kidron Valley. Then they're going up, and he's going to go into the temple. And next week, we'll be looking at you know, what he does in the temple. But this is his, his, uh, his way of transportation is the donkey. But this is kind of, the, if you, if you can get a visual. But also, I want to show you the, the, the actual picture of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount area. There's that dome-looking thing over here on the, on the left, the Dome of the Rock. But uh, if you can see, look down, there's the Kidron Valley. So you can kind of get a visual of Jesus going down. This is looking from the Mount of Olives. So how many people have been to Israel? Can you raise your hand? Wow, pretty good number. So you've actually been there. You've seen this. If you haven't, this is a good way to kind of feel, you know, how it looks from the Mount of Olives, looking there and then just kind of going down and going back up. But with this story, I want to make this clear that this is, We've been reading so much of Jesus' life, but this is the final week. And if you can get a hold of that, this is the final week of Jesus' life, his last week on the earth. His first 30 years, we, we don't know much about it. It's, he's, he kind of lived in obscurity in Nazareth. We, you know, we knew that he found favor with God and favor with man, but we don't know too much about it. I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious when I get to heaven, you know, what happened during those 30 years? We don't know, but uh, hopefully when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll have some more insight. But the scriptures, are, are, we don't have much for those first 30 years. As you know, he has three years in ministry. He heals the sick. He's casting out demons as we've been looking at the gospel of Luke. He's been feeding the multitudes. He's been teaching them uh, the gospel or the word of God. He's been preaching the gospel. Um, he was binding up broken hearts, we know, and he was raising the dead. But again, this is his final week, and this is worth noting. And I, I know I've, I've even mentioned this in the past, but this is worth noting. Uh, the gospel writers spend much time with this final week. There's much written about this final week. And if you, if you take a look at the screen, Matthew devotes 25% of his writings to this final week. That's a lot of, that's a, you know, a quarter of his writing is, is spent on this final week. Mark devotes a third, or 33% on this final week. Luke devotes 20%. Of his writings, and then this one really got me. John the Apostle, he spends 50% of his writings just on the final week that Jesus walked this earth. This is very important, you know, this last week. The mission that Jesus came to accomplish, he accomplished. Not only did Jesus start well, he ended well. He went to the cross. He finished well. He he fulfilled the mission that he was called to do. And my question is for all of us here, you know, are we, you know, we we looked at last week. We looked at, you know, about, you know, being faithful to what God has called you to do. But I want to even take it a step further, not just being faithful, but but to finish well. 
What has God called you to do? I know I asked a show of hands uh, last uh, Sunday and about, I don't know, like 10% of the hands. I said, do you know your calling? Do you know what you're called to do, what God has called you to do? And I asked for a raise of hand and like 10%. And then I'm looking around the room. I'm like, wait a second. I know some of these people. I think they, I know what they're called to do. And I think maybe some people in the sanctuary, you know, they thought maybe I'd call on them to say something or something. So I'm not standing up. You know? <laughs> Pastor might ask me, well, tell the whole classroom, what is your calling? You know, what are you doing with that calling right now? But I know I didn't, I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but I want to add to last week's message, not only being faithful, but we have to finish. God wants us to finish what we've started, what he started in us. And the good thing is he will equip us to finish what he gave us to do. He'll do it. He'll do the work in and through us. So I want, to be, I want you to be encouraged as we see the life of Jesus Christ. He's got one week left. And let me tell you, we're going to look at this last week and we're going to see he finished well. And I want to encourage all of us. Let's, let's finish well. Let's not just, I know for me, when I accepted Christ, I mean, I just was like, it was, it was like from darkness to light. I've shared my testimony before. It's like, woof. I was just like, I am on fire for Jesus. And the, the, the start of my relationship with Jesus was so powerful. There was no denying it. When I'd sit on the couch, I'd look for his imprint next to me because I knew he was there, right there next to me. It's like, Jesus is here. And I know we don't base it on feelings, but I would be like, you know, can't you tell God is here? He, he's with us. He lives in me, and he, he's right here. But I don't want to be like Saul, the first king of Israel, that, that started well, but he finished in a terrible way. Even his own omission. He, Saul said in, in 1 Samuel 26, 21, he says, Behold, I played the fool. I've erred exceedingly. That was at the end of his life. He said, I played the fool. I've erred exceedingly. He, he finished in a terrible way. And I pray that's not the case for any of us here. And the good news, again, is God's going to equip us to finish well. He, if, if he's our example, then he's going to equip us to finish well in the race that he set before us. There's a new movie out. I don't know if you heard. It's called Woodlawn. Did you guys hear about that movie? It is excellent. We went to see it Friday night. I'm telling you, my wife and I, we had a long day. She was tired. I was tired. We were just kind of working on different things and, and stuff. And by the time we were supposed to go to the movie, we we're like, okay, I don't know if we can go. I don't know. Let's call so-and-so. No, no let's call. You know, we're, we're thinking of you. We even asked a couple, can you take our place? You know, we're just so tired. We ended up going to this movie. I'm telling you, at the end of that movie, I was so fired up. I wanted to go out on the streets and, and, streets and preach the gospel. I was just like, I was just so fired up. It's based on a true story. It's about a football player. I won't tell you too much. The man's name is Tony Nathan. He was a gifted running back. And just let me tell you, he used his gifts for the glory of God. And in the movie, he finished well. And I want to encourage you. First off, please support this movie. It's an excellent movie, but finish well. If you're out of the race... If you're not using the gifts that God's given, given you, I want to ask you now, why? What took you out? Who took you out? Why are you out? Because one day you will stand before your maker. And I want every one of us to stand before the maker of this world, our King and our Lord. And I want every one of us to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I really do. I'm praying, Lord, I want to finish well. And I'm praying that for the congregation, that all of us here, we, we don't sign out. We don't say, well, I tried that church thing. I tried that using my gifts. I tried, it was in the worship team at one time. I was on the prayer team at one time. I was an usher at one time. I did, it was in the children's ministry at one time. I was there working in the parking lot ministry at one time. I used to do that. And if that's you today, if you're saying, I used to do this, I used to do that, but I just don't have time or I'm just not doing, I would ask that you truly evaluate your life. Even now, just pray and say, God, is this you? Have you taken me out? 
And if you have not taken me out, Lord, please reinstate me. Remember when Peter, the apostle Peter blew it, denied Jesus. Remember Jesus visited him. They were fishing. Remember that story? And Jesus was there making fish. He was there making breakfast for them. And he, he told Peter, he said, basically, back in the race, if you love me, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. If you love me, if you say you really love me, go back to work. Go back and do those things I called you to do. Go back because that's going to prove that you love me when you're doing what I've called you to do. I've ordained you for a purpose. I ordained you to do something, and I want you to complete it. I want you to finish. And he reinstated him. Awesome verse to go with this. Paul the Apostle, he finished well. 2 Timothy 4.6. Timothy 4.6. If you're a note taker, please take note of this. Paul the Apostle says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I'm ready to leave this earth. Look at what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I look at this. I, I look at this man Paul, called Paul the Apostle, and he was such a, a powerful man of God. And at the end of his life, he's writing to young Timothy, and he's telling Timothy, you know what, I'm not going to be here very much longer, but I can tell you, I've fought a good fight. I finished the race. I didn't stop before the finish line. I didn't stop at the middle of the race. I didn't stop a quarter way through. I went right to the end. I finished the race that God has called me to do, and I'm going through that ribbon. I'm going to make it through that ribbon of life, and I'm going to go enter into the other side. I finished but look at what he went on to say. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Paul the apostle was so in tune with the Lord. He says, there's a crown laid up there for me, and I'm going to receive the crown. Just like you run a race, you finish, and you're, you're, first, you're the first one there. There's a, a reward. There's a, a ribbon waiting for you. He says, yeah, I know there's going to be a crown on the other side, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. But look at this, guys. Please don't miss this. And not to me only, but also to all. If you take note, I would put a little circle over, you know, around the all, maybe a little asterisk or something, and all who have loved his appearing. I, I get the picture here when I read this that, that if we're loving his, if we're doing what God's called us to do, it's like we're looking up. We're just doing, God, I'm just doing what you call me to do, and I'm looking up. We're out of here at any time. Thank you, Lord. I'm living a life of expectancy, and you just love his appearing. You're just waiting. And that's the picture we have here. And listen to this. A crown is laid up for you. A crown of righteousness is laid up there for you, waiting for you. And all you need to do is love is appearing. Just say, oh, Lord, I love. I want to see you, Lord. I can't wait to see you, God. I just love you. And there's going to be a crown waiting there if you finish well. Philippians 1.6, this is quoted so often. But when we talk about finishing the race, I want to use this, Philippians 1, 6, if you're a note taker, being confident of this very thing that he, who's the he? Can anybody tell me? Capital H, what? He, that he, God, Jesus, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He, God, who began the work in you, he will complete it. Folks, if, if you... If, if you haven't laid hold of this verse and we're talking about Jesus finishing the race and all, if you can take hold of this verse and realize he will complete it. He who begun, did he begin a work in you? He's going to do the work. It's a resting place. It's a place. We, we're doing the work of the Lord, but we're resting in that work. It's like, God, you're going to complete this? When things are getting tough, there's opposition and it doesn't look like it's going to come together and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but you're going to complete it. I'm just going to do my best. You're going to complete this work that you began in me. You will complete it. 
And you can rest in that. So finish the race. I want to point something out with this story. The colt was needed because there was a prophecy that said that Jesus, Zechariah 9.9, if you take note, it said that most of you know this, so I'm not going to spend too much time with this, but Zechariah 9.9 said that your king is coming to you having salvation, lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And so that's why he had to have a donkey because it was prophesied. That's the way he would ride in. Back in the text, it says, then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he, Jesus, was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he, Jesus, answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Wouldn't you like to see that? A rock concert? <laughs> My warped mind, I think through this, I was like, Lord, can we rerun that whole scene, but maybe be quiet. I want to hear the rocks cry out. I want to, I want to hear that. Even the rocks will cry out. Laying the clothes down on the ground was symbolic. It was saying that all that I have is yours, Lord. You're the king and I submit to you. Most of them only had one outer, outer garment, one change of clothes. And it was like taking their only outer garment and just saying, Lord, you can even have that. You have, I want you to have everything. I submit to you. I'm submitting myself completely to you. You're the king. Submission. My question, did we give our life to Christ? Did you truly give your life over to Jesus Christ? Because when you do that, and that's good, yes. It's saying that you're king, you're Lord, and it's almost this outward action should be, you know, our inward response. Yes, Lord, I, I give you my life. I submit my will to you. I submit myself to you. Not my will, but, but your will be done. And they're laying their, their, their clothes, they're laying even the palm branches, and they're just submitting to him. You're the king, but also saying, everything I have belongs to you. I'm going to serve you. You're the king. I'm your servant. There may be some here today that need to take the outer garments of your plans and your agendas, and you need to lay it down and say, you know, I give this to you, Lord. God has a plan. God has a purpose for every one of us here. And I know sometimes I want to fight. I want to say, my will be done. My will be done. That prayer, you know, thy kingdom come. My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No, it's thy will be done. But the good thing is, his will is so much better than the plans that you have. I'm telling you what, I am totally blown away that I'm standing up in front of a congregation today and preaching and teaching God's word. I am blown away. But can I tell you something? I know for a thousand percent, it's God's will. If you would have told me 21 years ago that you would be preaching the gospel, you'd be you know, a pastor of a church, I would have said, you were totally out of your mind. My sister, before I got saved, she'd say, you know, the Lord showed me you're going to get saved. I'm like, you're crazy. What do you mean you know I'm going to be saved? What are you talking about? She said, yeah, I've been praying. The Lord showed me, you know, God, God showed me you're going to give your life to the Lord. I'm thinking, he didn't show me. I don't even know what you're talking about. 
God's will is awesome. He wants to do far more exceedingly, abundantly than we can ever ask or think. But I find in my life and in my past, many times when I was holding on to my will, God's will was not being accomplished. When I was holding on, it's like, Lord, no, but you don't understand. This has to take place. This has to take place. We got bills to pay. We got this to do. We got this to do. And he's like, I didn't ask you about all that. I just said, let it go. I have a better will for you. I have a greater calling for you. I want to do far more. I want to do, you know, exceedingly abundantly, far above all that you can even imagine. My will is so much better than your will. Many times we need to lay down our will. And a daily prayer would be good to say, Lord, as we are to pray, thy will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. When I was serving at Calvary Costa Mesa, I used to have two different uh, nursing home ministries I would go to, and, and it was fruitful. I loved it. These were people, they, they, these were people that were on the edge of eternity. And, you know, by the grace of God, I had a partner that was, you know, worked with me. And then we would just go to room to room, share the gospel. I'd teach the Bible study. And we literally, people would pray to receive the Lord, and the next day they would die. Or they'd pray to receive the Lord, and a week later they would die. Or we'd pray to receive the Lord, two weeks later they would just, they would die. I was getting a terrible reputation around that place. <laughs> <laughs> But I saw it. I saw it as God's grace on that person's life was keeping them right to the end, to the, you know, for, for them to hear the gospel, to respond to the gospel. And then finally they responded to Jesus and they, they, had, you know, they knew where they were going to go when they died and they would just go on into eternity. I remember one lady, this, one of these nursing homes, you would talk to her about anything. They'd, she'd be in the hallway a lot of times. You'd talk to her, hey, hi, so-and-so. You talk to her. And then you would just quote a scripture and she would scream. God so loved the world. She goes, stop. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. She could not handle the word of God. I mean, literally, she would put her fingers in her ears. If she was in the hallway, she'd scream, stop, stop, stop. And I would just, I mean, I, I would intercede. I would pray for this lady. She couldn't even handle the word of God. She was on the edge of eternity, and, the, and she couldn't even handle a little bit of the word of God. I, I mean, I would practice. Sometimes I'd, I'd be in the other hallway, and I just, I would see she's over there and just, just lightly... He loves the world. God so loved the world. She'd scream, stop! She was very hardened to the gospel, but many were very open to the gospel. And I remember being called in the office of one of the, the, the head pastors, a supervisor there, and he called me in his office, says, Joe, I understand you're doing this ministry, the, this nursing home and that nursing home. Yeah, and he says, how's it going? It's going great. It's real fruitful. And things are happening. He says, well, you know, we, we'd like if you, you know, you'd be at the campus more over here, and maybe if you could maybe find someone else to do that ministry, or maybe, you know, you know maybe let it go, or, or you know, see who else can take over that, because we really need you here. And I remember my flesh was saying, this is my ministry, you know I'm saying? That's what I'm thinking. But I'm, then instantly the Lord showed me, no, this is my will. That door is being shut. I'm going to open another door. And we, when we're in tune with the leading of the Holy Spirit, I could have thought, I could have said, well, you know, I don't know about that, and I better, you know, I really got to pray about that. And blah, blah, blah. This is me, and this is my will. And, but it wasn't like that. God's will is so much better. And so, yeah, I've said, yeah, sure, you know, and, and then, you know, so I let it go. 
And let me tell you, shortly after that, the Lord blessed and doors were open. And even shortly after that, doors were open here in Sunset Beach to, to start a work. But I had to let go of what God was saying. Let go of this plan. Let go of this will. I know it's fruitful. I know there's work. But I've got a different plan now. I, I've got an open door set before you over here. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.